Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for common sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. And uh, we've got more news for you today than... Then Carter has liver pills. I mean, how old is that statement? Uh, it still holds stu- up. It holds in, up. In the, after, in, the 50 years. Uh, in the studio with us, uh, we have two Democrats and two Republicans. We have Judge Richard Weinberg and Governor David Patterson. Welcome to the Democratic Party. And <laughs> on the Republican remaining. Party, we, we have Ed Cox. And uh, welcome, Ed. 50-50 this time. Right, and we've yes. got some breaking news. Breaking news, WABC. Well, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia has decided not to run for the Senate. We look forward to find out. I like Joe. He's a very decent person. I like Joe, and we look forward to see uh, what he's going to do. And to further the breaking news, in from West Virginia, where Joe Manchin is not running, we have Congressman Alexander Moody. 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 Yeah. Tell us about West yeah. Virginia. What the heck is going on over there? Well, it's a very Republican state these days. Uh, the, Joe Manchin could not have gotten reelected. And I'll tell you, the seat is safe Republican now. Uh, there is nobody else to grab the banner and run for that seat. So whoever wins the Republican primary, and as you know, I'm running in that primary. I have been for almost a year. And, uh, it, you know, I wish him the best in his retirement. And, you know, he's... Uh, He's worked hard and, you know, wish him the best, but he's too liberal for our state. I knew when he voted to impeach Donald Trump, which he did twice, that he would not run again and couldn't win. And so he just held on for a while and finally decided to go. Now, um, you were telling me before on, on uh, West Virginia, out of uh, uh, all your, your council seats yeah, there, yeah, you have how many? So i like to mention our, our West Virginia State Senate, state Senate has 31 Republican state senators and only three Democrats left in the entire state. It, well, we, we, we can average out with I'd New like York that. City. Yes. I like that. And, and the state house is almost as good. New York City, we have 51 yeah. city council people. Governor Patterson, you were right. We had very little change. And 51 and only six Republicans. Oh, my gosh, yes. So it's pretty much the reverse of that. The reverse what, of that. If reverse we merge the two states, maybe we get even. It'd be even, but, yeah. And well, I understand uh, well, we have so many other news to talk about, but I understand uh, we have uh, former Commissioner Bill Bratton on. We do. And uh, I'd like to hear from Bill Bratton. We went all out. We went all out to keep New York City safe, and we said we we, we got to change the city council. And you know what we got? Brookes. Brookes. Yeah, yeah. Worse than liver pills. Is that a Brooklyn word? But Governor Patterson, you were 100% right. You said we're going to get Brookes. Yes. No, no, no. We got... The, for the first time in 40 years, we won a council seat in the Bronx. In the Bronx. The yeah, in the Bronx. But then you lost it someplace else. In the Bronx. And Long Island did well. We still have a common sense caucus of six Republicans and three Democrats. So. Mm-hmm. Bring, 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 bring and, Commissioner on. And we have now former NYB, NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton. Uh, Commissioner, uh, yeah, what happened? I mean, look at how bad crime is. Look at all the problems that are happening. We couldn't get anybody to vote. Right. Well, yeah, well yeah, that's sadly the reality. As you've heard me uh, reference very frequently, uh, uh, blame the voters, the old Ed Koch uh, uh, term that he used when he lost his last election. The voters have spoken. Now they must be punished. Well, once again, New York City voters have spoken. And uh, uh, there is one ray of hope is that pendulum is slowly creeping back to center. 
And I've been watching around the country as city after city is reversing their policies on dealing with the homeless and the narcotics addicted. And that was that election up in the Bronx. Historic, first time in 40 years, but the beginning. And all, all things, cha- all change begins with the beginning. So this is the beginning. But in the meantime, uh, we're still afflicted with a city council that is hostile to the NYPD, hostile to the idea of reforming the very badly flawed criminal justice reforms that they in the legislature in Albany put in that created the mess that the city still finds itself in. Good news today in the crime stats released by the department, violent crime, shootings, murders are down, but so many other areas of crime are still up, subway crime, et cetera. And by the way, so, Commissioner, did you see also um, anti-Semitic mm-hmm. tax in New York City up a huge amount? No surprise, sadly. Not, not huge, phenomenal amounts and reflective of, uh, unfortunately, uh, so many uh, people in the city uh, just don't understand history. Hamas is no different than Nazi Germany. Hamas leadership is no different than Adolf Hitler and the people he had around him. Why are they so much alike? Because effectively, they were both intent on eradicating Jews from the face of the earth. But in doing that, they did not care how many others they would kill or injure. So in the case of World War II, 20, 30, 40 million additional people were killed while they went about the business of trying to kill the Jews. Hamas is not caring at all about the losses of Palestinian people. Ironically, they are the elected government of the people that they are responsible for killing at the moment. It's not the Jewish government that's killing them. It's the Hamas leadership. And I was very taken by a couple of the comments in the uh, debate the other night, Nikki Haley's comment uh, about that issue in the sense of Hamas is committed to not only killing Jews, but basically killing Americans because they hate America. And then Senator Scott, his comment, I love something that needs to be paid attention to. So many of these demonstrators, these students who are here on scholarships, who are here through the basically the benevolence of the American government, the American people, they are here as guests. And if they want to go out and raise hell and attack and continue their anti-Semitic activities, well, let's send them back to where they came from. It's that simple. Yeah, you know what? I, I thought he was really powerful in the debate where he said that. He said zero tolerance. Um, you know, the other thing, too, is there's a big uh, day of rage today that's taking place in New York City. Lots of protests. High school kids. It's like up to 100 high school, well, public high schools. Know, they, they, they don't understand their history. It was like during the uh, 2020 George Floyd demonstrations. We could not understand that where did all these young white people with straight white teeth come from. They outnumbered the blacks in the demonstrations. What were they so angry about? What were they so mad about? Are they paid, uh, are they paid political participants? I don't think so, uh, John. I think it's just it's naivete. It's lack of education. Let's look at a lot of these people that they were not around during the things we're concerned with, how bad the 80s and 90s were. Most of them have no understanding of the Holocaust. Most of them have no understanding of the last 60 years of history in the Mideast. They are uh, we think they're well-educated, but the American colleges, American universities are doing an abysmal job of teaching young people today. And that compounds the problem of our high schools that no longer teach our history. It's uh, in our, the history of the world, for that matter. No, uh, we, we have created a uh, generation of dunces when it comes to understanding the history of this country, the history of Jews and Palestine, and the history of the world. 
Clearly. Uh, Judge Weinberg, you have a question for former NYPD Commissioner Bill Bratton. Commissioner Bratton, good to talk to you again, sir. I'm very concerned, number one, about the open border with the terrorism threats from there. And I'm also concerned about having a fifth column of these people coming here with their false assimilation and they're just sitting here waiting to be triggered. What are your thoughts? Well, my thoughts uh, on that one, that uh, there's a lot of blame to go around, Republicans and Democrats, and the resolution of that, the creation of the problem was politically created by Republicans and Democrats, and this Republicans and Democrats sitting on the show right now in that studio. But the resolution of it, it's not going to be President Biden, it's not going to be the Secretary of Homeland Security, the resolution lies in the hands of Congress. And right now, Congress has been screwing this up for the last 50 years. George Bush came close to getting it resolved, but then basically uh, Congress did not go along with him and created an even worse mess. So as far as the border resolution, Congress needs to stop pointing fingers at Biden and basically point the fingers at themselves because that's only the only place that's going to get resolved. Well, thank you, Bill uh, Bratton, Commissioner, and uh, things are a lot better when you were a commissioner, and uh, thank you so much. Great to be with all of you. All the thank best. You. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank okay, you. bye-bye. Uh, Ed Cox, you watched those debates last night. I did indeed. Uh, and tell us what the heck happened. It put me half uh, asleep halfway through. I, they were all trying to be uh, on their best favor, except for Ramaswamy. <laughs> he was Ramaswamy. I was very disappointed in the way he acted. Yeah. But it's interesting. Uh, Chris Christie, you didn't hear him criticize Trump once. I thought it was his best performance at he Cox was on because, his good behavior. because we finally heard content from him as opposed to I hate Trump, 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 Trump. He finally talked a lot about Israel. He talked about the border. I thought he was uh, very effective. Nikki Haley, by the way, the moment, John, in the debate, everyone's talking is when Vivek swiped at her. And uh, she said very loudly, I, mean, I heard it live, scum. She called him scum. Have you ever seen a scum. debate like yes. that? Yes. Uh, Governor Patterson, I've you, never called you that. You know, <laughs> she got criticized for doing that. And at the same time, when you call out someone's daughter, whether it's a man or a woman, you have uh, crossed a line. And really, I th- thought that was her motherly instinct coming out. And also, he, what, he, what he also said was that um, she should have been taking care of the family first, which was always the classic remark that was made about women who nobody yes. wanted to be working. I'll tell you, so it he, sounded he, a little derogatory. By the way, we have the sound. Um, let's play it. Here's that exchange that uh, the Gov was just talking about. You're just easy. Scum. Oh, that was just that. That was just the, that was just the retort. But the setup, just as you said, uh, was when he said, you know, oh, it's your daughter. You should be taking care. And then he said, well, you are you're in high heels as a woman. I did find it deeply, deeply but, but offensive. That one he could respond to even the master of the insult. Uh, President Trump never crossed that line of attacking an, in, uh, an innocent child of one of his opponents. Yeah. That's right. Never did that. Yeah, and they had a lot of heated moments even yeah. before that because sure. he was he pointed the finger at the moderator and at the very beginning he said you were pushing that the was Russia a real proud collusion. Oh okay, yeah, I, I don't know like how that. he's still in the debates, uh, Congressman uh, Mooney. What did you think? Well, I mean, it's a show. They're all vying for second place at this point to see Iowa and New Hampshire. Um, they're all trying to make a name for themselves. It's it's. It's almost surreal to have these debates when the leading candidate's not participating is is far ahead. So I don't know. Now, DeSantis, the the governor was it the governor of Iowa 
Endorsed DeSantis? Yes, endorsed DeSantis. How did that come about? I mean, how much cash did that cost? (laughs) (laughs) What do you think? What do you think, Ed? (laughs) Well, I remember D'Amato endorsed her for vice president, if you recall. That's right, at the event. We were at a dinner in New York. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I'm afraid that one's not going to work out. Yeah, and I'm surprised he didn't bring it up, though, because uh, last night during the debate, he didn't bring it up. I did think, by the way, DeSantis, I thought, had his best performance and he talked about the border as we were just talking. And he said, if somebody comes through and they're a drug dealer and they have a voluminous amount of drugs and fentanyl, uh, they would not come through the border. We would, quote, shoot them dead. By, by the way, some <laughs> sad news. Uh, our old controller in New York, Alan Hevesy, has passed away oh at the God. age of 83. Yeah, I saw that. Wow. Yeah. And of course, uh, had a, know, a bumpy he, ride. He had, he, had, he had a bumpy ride, but. He was a nice guy. I, I just, I always uh, liked him as a person. And, uh, you know, he got a little bit of trouble. But what did you think, uh, Governor Patterson? I thought he was very astute, worked very hard. Um, but one of the problems he had is you really have to go back to find a controller who ever got elected mayor when they were controller. A Beam was able to do it mm-hmm. in 1973, but he wasn't, um, he wasn't controller anymore. He ran directly. And uh, but Alan Evesy got along with a, a lot of people, and um, I always enjoyed his company. And I'm very later, sorry to hear that. Later on, we're going to talk about Tom DiNapoli. We've been we've been right all along. All of a sudden, they're saying the New York City is going to be short on the budget. Yeah, he's saying it, we are teetering on a fiscal cliff. That's strong language, John. Now, are we going to Israel now? We're going to go Let's to a go break. Let's go to Israel. Yeah, we're going to go to a break. And right after the break, we are going to have former Israeli ambassador Danny Danan talking about a pause there. Uh, find out why that happened politically. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Let's go straight to Israel. And we are talking to the former ambassador from Israel to the U.N., Ambassador Danny Danan. Uh, Ambassador, it's great to have you back. There's so much we want to ask. Obviously, huge news that now Israel is agreeing to four-hour pauses. It looks like a daily pause. We've been hearing all the headlines from that the president wanted of United States wanted a three-day pause. Uh, what happened here? Lots of pressure. Well, I, I'm not sure that it's such a great news. Uh, what we are doing, we are fighting evil. We are fighting Hamas. At the same time, we're trying to minimize the casualties to the civilians. So we are encouraging the population to move out, to move south. And so far, about 90% already left northern Gaza. And we will continue to to encourage the population and to allow them. So every day we're going to have a corridor of four hours where the residents of Gaza will be able to, to move out we will uh, guard them because Hamas is targeting those who want to live. 
and we will provide them a corridor where they can move south, uh, go to the southern part of Gaza, where they will uh, meet the representatives of different NGOs who will supply them with uh, their necessities. So we are not posing. We are not having a ceasefire. We are determined to fight Hamas until we eradicate Hamas. We haven't forgotten the atrocities. We haven't forgotten the, the hostages. We're talking about babies who are for more than a month are in tunnels, including nine months a year old baby. So we are still in a war. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the question. A lot of people are saying, because you're right there, um, right inside the tunnels. The video came out a few hours ago where they were in the tunnels and you've gotten it's uh, more than 100 targets there. Do you feel uh, is there frustration that there's even a four hour pause when you've Hello? obviously you've got a brave mission ahead? Can you hear us, Mr. Ambassador? Can you hear us, Mr. Ambassador? He's going to call us back. But it's interesting. You know, you heard what he just said, that uh, it's not a ceasefire. They're very clear. Of course, the president uh, wanted a three-day pause. It seems like he would like a ceasefire. Oh, here he is. We got the ambassador back. Ambassador Danan, uh, can you hear us? I know you're there in Israel, so uh, we appreciate it. We don't hear him. Uh, we're trying to get that back. Needless to say, they're in the middle of everything going on there. But Ed, it's interesting the parse, the wor- verbiage coming. Uh, it, it is. It, it, it's only four hours, and it gets out a lot of civilians. They can get out. Also, permit some of the Hamas people to be able to surrender. Well, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of controversy around that. Uh, uh, President Biden is trying to force them, force them to cooperate and not. On those four hours, once the president and yeah. and and uh, is he threatening to take away their aircraft carrier or what? Yeah, that's what Money. you wonder. I mean, that's we, what we, you wonder. We're giving him fourteen billion dollars. We passed that bill in the House of Representatives last week, and I thought Hamas wasn't letting people leave for a long time. So I'd be interesting to see uh, if Hamas tries to stop them. And I mean, we need to eradicate that that organization. Thousand percent. Uh, that was Congressman Moody. Nice. And uh, anybody else have any comments? Judge Weinberg. I'll tell you what's upsetting to me. We've had over 40 attacks against U.S. military installations in the Mideast by Iran and Iran surrogates, and we have not responded in anything other than a joke. They're bombing empty weapons catches. When are they going to take this seriously? The danger is if they don't respond forcibly now, the war is really going to escalate. It's going to become a, a worse war if they fail to act responsibly. And so far, this administration has failed to act. Yeah, and they have just been, to John's point, I think so uh, light and also pushing behind the scenes. We, I understand we have the ambassador back on again. We're going to try again. Obviously, he's right there in the middle of Israel, so we're glad that uh, we can even get you. Ambassador, can you hear us? Yes, I can hear you now. Oh, great. We were just saying, you know, because you have had uh, just obviously a lot of success getting into Gaza, is there a concern, even if it's just a four-hour pause, uh, it seemed that Israel didn't want any pause, understandably, because they want to eradicate these horrible terrorists. Uh, is there a frustration that there's even a pause? Well, we have to understand that uh, every pause or a ceasefire is a threat to our troops. It will allow Hamas to regroup, to find out where the soldiers are positioned, and it will mean that uh, there will be more casualties to our forces. So that's why we are doing our best to allow the population to move south, but we should not allow Hamas to, to regroup, to, to get supply and, and weapons to the tunnels. 
Uh, we know it's going to be a, a long uh, war, so we don't need to give any resupply to the Hamas. We have to fight until we win. Ed Cox? Yes. Uh, and what advantage can the IDF take of this pause? Can they move into better positions? There's a chance for Hamas uh, people who want to surrender to surrender? Absolutely not. We have no advantage of such kind of pauses. Uh, on the contrary, uh, as I mentioned, you know, today the people in the area where we maneuver, you don't have a, you have many Hamas that are not fighting with us. We have to make it clear. They are cowards. When they came to butcher the families in Israel, to kill women and children, to rape innocent girls, they were brave. But now when we are inside, they are not even fighting our troops. They are hiding uh, like cowards. So I, I think they will take advantage of the ceasefire in order to move to different locations and, and to hide for our forces. So how much, uh, Mr. Ambassador, was this pressure from the United States or others? Well, there is pressure, you know, and people speak about humanitarian needs. But what about our humanitarian needs? What about the kidnapped Israelis in hostage? So I think we should understand that we are fighting for our life, not only for Jews in Israel. We have seen the pictures from universities in the U.S. as we speak, the terror attack in Montreal, in France, in the U.K. So, you know, it's about the Jewish existence. We realize that. And that's why we have to make sure that we send a message to all of our enemies. We are here to stay. We are capable of fighting back. And Hamas will be eradicated. It will be a lesson to the people in Lebanon, to the people who are, who are promoting anti-Semitism in the U.S., to all of those who are supporting evil. And uh, we are talking to former Ambassador Danny Danan from Israel. And uh, former Governor David Patterson, you have a question. Mr. Ambassador, I have a fear about this pause in the sense that I think that it would favor Hamas, who might get a chance to kind of uh, reassess their situation, as opposed to uh, just continuing to wipe them out, which what you've been doing so far. It's kind of like when you're doing something and it works, keep doing it. Yeah, absolutely, Governor. Uh, you're absolutely right. I, I think it, we shouldn't give a reward to terrorists. And when you speak about humanitarian, we have to realize that there is humanitarian support for the people who moved to southern Gaza. So basically, the terrorists who committed those horrible atrocities against us, now they want some time to get regrouped. Imagine that you fight, you fought Al-Qaeda, and Al-Qaeda would have told you, listen, we need some more time to, to build our forces and to get ready for your Marines coming after us. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it definitely does it. And uh, Congressman Alex Mooney of the great state of West Virginia has a question for you, Ambassador. Oh, hello, Ambassador. So the question has been commented, but I think the point is Israel needs to be free to do what it needs to do to fight its own war. It doesn't need the United States of America or any other country telling Israel how to fight a war or politicizing it. And and if you know if you want to pause, you can pause. If you want to, uh, if you don't think that's the best thing to do, that shouldn't be dictated by another country. So that that's kind of the, the issue with with Israel and other countries. Let, let let Israel make their decisions. Yeah, I agree. And, and also uh, to your point, Congressman, and also to the ambassador's point, I think of the comment that came from one of the brothers of the Israeli hostages the other day. He was on Capitol Hill, and he said basically, "You better hope that Israel uh, eliminates Hamas because they're coming for America next." That's a scary. Premise. Let me ask one silly question, and 
the the two million Palestinians in Palestine or in uh, in Gaza, Gaza. Uh, two million Palestinians, are they upset about Hamas or they're still supporting Hamas? So I think the majority of them are upset uh, by Hamas. They're, they're seeing, you know, the damages that are captured by Hamas. You know, they never had proper elections there since uh, 2017. So um, I, I assume that they would uh, prefer to have a better future. And I think once we finish with Hamas, it will also allow the people of Gaza to, to have better lives. So it's not only, also only a fight for Israel, it's also a fight for the future of, of the people in Gaza. And I would expect the international community to understand that. It's about time that Hamas will not be there if they really care about the people in Gaza. All those now who are demonstrating in Cornell University, in Syracuse, in Albany, calling against Israel, not, they don't really care about the people in Gaza. They just care about spreading hate against Jews, against Israel. Ambassador, it's Judge Richard Warmberg. Good to talk to you again, sir. The other problem is, which people are not talking about, and these young kids in universities who are protesting, mixing the point. First, it's going to be the Jews, but if you look at the doctrines of the Muslim Brotherhood, and Hamas is one of the people associated with the Muslim Brotherhood, it's not just the Jews. They'll go after the Christians and the Buddhists and the Hindus next. What they want to do is have a hegemonic religion, an absolute control over free thought and religion. So the Christian community is next. I don't know why they think it's just a Jewish question. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and we, we, we heard those Hamas radicals, what they say about the U.S. and Western civilization. We happen to be in the front line. So they broke the fence and they killed our families. But they make no mistake, you know, once they will have their capabilities, they will attack uh, Europe, they will attack the U.S. And we saw what happened in 9-11. You know, they brought from the Middle East, they brought the evilness to, to the streets of New York. Ambassador, uh, one additional thing. Who is the evil one in uh, Iran who who paid those Hamas people to come and attack? In your opinion? It's not... It's not one person. It's the entire uh, regime in Tehran. They export their, their radical ideas. They're spending billions of U.S. dollars every year on uh, destabilizing the region. They send rockets and technology to Hezbollah in Lebanon, to different militias groups in Syria and Iraq and Yemen, but also to Hamas. And we can tell you for sure that the people who attacked us on October 7th, some of them were trained in Tehran. So that's what they are doing, exporting yes, uh, radical terrorism. ideas. Yes, and and and, and I understand they paid ten thousand Hamases, ten thousand, ten thousand dollars a piece in cash or whatever, and uh, that's the people. So the ten thousand Hamas people attacked Israel, made Israel miserable, and in in and it also made uh, Palestine or, or Gaza miserable. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why so you know, Iran, now we're dealing Iran, with Hamas. Is, Iran but, is the real enemy in here, and and uh, somebody should take care of Iran. Yeah, but we're still uh, with all the money going towards the oil money. I mean, nothing's well, changed giving, with that, John. We're giving Iran the money because now President Biden is allowing him to to do three and a half million barrels a day at a at ninety hundred dollars a barrel. That's two billion dollars a week. We're giving Iran every week. Well, that's what's so crazy. To John's point, the ambassador, they are still flush with money. How else are they buying the weapons, doing all these things? I mean, it's crazy, ambassador. There's so many people here in America are saying, enough. 
put your foot down with Iran. Yeah, that's the, the answer. You know, we, we, now we are dealing with the proxies, but it's like a chess game. It's you know, they're sending the, the soldiers to fight us, but at the end of the day, you have to strike the king and the queen. And when you want to win, we you gotta have to go strike uh, Iran. It up, my opinion, you got to go into Iran. Somebody has to, whether it's the Mossad, whether it's the CIA, and kill those guys because when we when we got rid of Bin Laden uh, ten years ago, whenever it was, we had peace for ten years. My opinion, I, I agree. And when you wherever you you see instability and violence, you can find the fingerprints of uh, Iranian money in the region. You know, the grenades, the RPGs, the drones, everything was paid by money that came from Iran. Ambassador, I miss you in New York. When you get here, I look forward to seeing you. Thank you, John. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank Thank you, you, Ambassador. We love you. Let's take a break, and when we come back... We have former Congressman Pete Huckstra talking about how it's time to pull the plug on force electric It is ruining America. Let's find out what he has to say about electric cars. Let's take that break. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, John, we always talk about uh, EVs and some of the issues. And joining us now is former Michigan Congressman Pete Huckstra, also former ambassador to the Netherlands. And, uh, Congressman, it's so great to have you here. You know, you wrote a really powerful story. Uh, it was in the Gatestone Institute. And the headline is, Time to Pull the Plug on Forced Electric Vehicles. Uh, I agree with you, but tell us why you wrote it. Well, I wrote it uh, because it's so obvious. I mean, you have what you have our secretary of energy uh, who's going out promoting electric vehicles uh, and she has to have somebody in a gas powered vehicle drive ahead so that, you know, when she gets to a charging station, there's actually a charger available for her. But, you know, the trillions of dollars that the federal government is pumping into promoting electric vehicles uh, is being wasted. The technology is not there. Consumers don't want them. Uh, you know, inventories are building up on car dealer lots. Uh, the automobile industry, I think Ford's losing $32,000 every time they sell an electric vehicle. Uh, you have Rivian, I think, is losing $37,000 per vehicle just because the government is forcing them in that direction. You know, it's actually business malpractice for people like uh, the CEO at Ford, the CEO at Rivian uh, to be, you know, investing in these kinds of technologies that aren't ready. Congressman, it's Judge Richard Weinberg, sir. Good to talk to you again. What I'm concerned about is the statism involved in this, this industrial policy. This is supposed to be a free market country where I have consumer choice. And I'm able, if I want an electric car, Congressman, I can get an electric car. If I don't want an electric car, I can get a gas-powered car. Why is the government imposing on this? What kind of fantasy land are they living in when the infrastructure is not there to do the job? You're exactly right. Uh, You and I aren't living in fantasy land. We're living in the real world. We see that it won't work. It's uh, it's government that's living in fantasy land uh, that, uh, you know, that the technology is there. But most importantly, they think consumers are there and consumers are proving it uh, every day when they purchase cars. They're not buying them anymore. One quick anecdote for you. 
There's a small little township in northern Michigan. The Chinese Communist Party, in coordination with Goshen, a Chinese company, wanted to build a plant in that community. Governor Whitmer was in favor of it. The state legislature is in favor of it. All the business development people are in favor of it. They're bribing this little township, promising billions of dollars in investment. You know what happened yesterday? They pulled the every plug. Single, <laughs> every, they pulled the plug. Every single local official that supported that, that we could recall, they were recalled. The people mm-hmm. said, we, won't, we don't want the Chinese communists in our community. We don't want an electric battery plant in our community. We don't want government telling us what to do. We don't want the environmental risk. Uh, you know, one of the guys who replaced the existing uh, township supervisor in a recall election, and remember, recalls are hard. He won with 73, th- or 73% of the vote. Uh, American, you know, and that was after they were being bribed with billion dollars. They said, no, we don't want the money. This is, you know, leave our community alone. We'll make our own decisions. We want freedom. We don't want government coming in from Lansing, from Grand Rapids, and coming into our little rural and uh, uh, Congressman Mooney, so you have a I, question? I was just going to emphasize, you know, uh, Judge Weinberg said it, but when these electric vehicles will work, when the free market demands it, when when it makes sense economically and it's convenient, that's when it will work. Not The government should not be picking winners and losers in the energy business. That's the point I wanted to make. And look, in West Virginia, we call these uh, electric vehicles coal-powered cars because the energy has to come from somewhere anyway. Yeah. These yeah. are coal-powered anyway. Yeah, the other thing I was told today, yeah. I was talking to a scientist and you know how we're under attack continuously from China in different situations? Well, one electronic pulse, I forget what that is, one pulse can knock out every electric car in the United States. That's ama- Did you hear that, um, Congressman? Yeah. That's amazing. Absolutely. We're putting ourselves at the, you know, at risk to the Chinese. This is absolutely a foolish policy. If we, you know, with fossil fuels, we can be energy independent, we can be transportation independent, and we, our, our policymakers in Washington and in Lansing, believe that, eh, yeah, let's, let's go to a technology that the Chinese dominate, uh, let's put our transportation into uh, a technology yeah. that t- the like, Chinese like they, dominate, they make 90, let's be fine. They make 90% of our antibiotics. I, I hate for them to get mad at us. Mm. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, we saw what that was uh, during COVID, all the PPE. Remember all the stuff? We're, we're like beholden to it. It's crazy, Congressman Mooney. Yeah. Now, we got to start manufacturing these things in the United States of America. Uh, for too long, we've re- relied on China. It's not even fair competition. It's a communist government. They don't pay fair wages. You talk about the environment and things in these electric cars. The pollution in China is crazy. Our country, it's so much better than mine, the coal here and make the energy here. And I also wanted to mention that once they're done with the coal, they'll come after the oil and gas, too. If we let the government pick the winners and losers in what kind of car we drive, where we get our energy from, we're all going to lose uh, down the road because they're coming after all of it. They have this naive vision that we can all be on, uh, you know, renewable energy sources, and the, the numbers just don't add up for that. But it will work if they the make it feasible. Add, yeah. And uh, the hybrid cars are yeah, kind of popular, don't you think, Congressman? The hybrid cars are more popular. Some of them. I have a hybrid. Hybrid sales are up by thirty-seven percent. I own a I own a small Ford Maverick truck. I get uh, forty forty-five miles per gallon. Yeah. Um, and if I run out of if I run out of energy, 
I can go into the gas station, I can fill it up, and I can keep going. The CEO of Toyota has it right. He says, I'm going to make diesel cars, I'm going to make gas cars, I'm going to make electric cars, I'm going to make hybrid cars. Let the customer decide what they like. Exactly. And by the way, as we're talking you, about you uh, it, and we're talking about energy and oil, uh, Pete, um, one of the things is interesting. Uh, this just crossed the wire that a federal judge just a little bit ago upheld the Biden administration's approval of the Willow oil drilling project in Alaska. Remember that's a, uh, but it was very limited. They had this whole area that they could have gotten. Uh, it, it is so political. And, and Ed Cox, who's also here in studio, we were talking about that earlier, the timing of it, that he suddenly wants to do just a little bit of drilling. What a surprise with the election a year away. I mean, it's so disingenuous. Uh, the, well, it yes, is. He, he can get immediate results from it and drive down the, uh, the price of oil and price of gasoline, just like he did by dumping a million barrels of oil out of the Strategic Petroleum Reserve every day leading up to his real to the uh, midterms. And, and by the way, some of it was sold, yep. was sold to China too early on. Remember, exactly. a lot of, yeah. you can't make it up. So, Pete, Congress, go ahead. what do you think of that? Yeah, no, you're right. You can't make it up. Uh, the good news is consumers, American grassroots are figuring this out. They're paying three seventy five per gallon in Michigan. They don't like it. Uh, you know, they're they're seeing brownouts. Uh, they're seeing Michigan going to wind and solar and all of this only because of government subsidies. And they know it doesn't work. And it's just a small little township. But I think the American grassroots is going to rebel against this strategy uh, and say, we don't want to be dependent on China and we don't want to be dependent on government policymakers telling us what we can and cannot buy. We are smart enough to figure this out all by ourselves. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Congressman Pete Huckstra, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Such an important Always topic. Always good to be with you, Rita, and say hi to Ed for me. I will. I will. Ed's thanks. listening. He's here. Yep, thanks. <laughs> okay. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Congressman. And, uh, you know, st- st- still in the, uh, in the studio, I'm glad you're here, Congressman, uh, Alexander Mooney. Uh, tell us what's going on with these electric cars and what's going on. I understand the 8 a.m. radio too. And, and the other question I want to ask you is, uh, you're one of the only ones that knows, uh, the new speaker. Well, none of us know him. <laughs> Well, he's a good conservative man, and they're attacking him because he's conservative, and, and, and as if he, you know, they called him names. Like, well, we voted for him for speaker because he's conservative. He's well, he's and he's well liked. He was lower key. He was the head of the Republican Study Committee, which is a conservative organization. Uh, he he's very good on policy. He's he's a kind man. He's very religious. Which we like, you know, that's a positive. They're attacking him for believing in the Bible. I was going to say, know. if you listen to some of the, uh, like the liberal media, that's yeah. like a negative that yeah. he believes in the Bible and has faith. It's yeah. crazy. It's stunning. They're attacking this man for believing in the Bible. Well, we, we, that's why we put him as speaker. We believe the Judeo Christian values of this country. Uh, he's a good man. Everyone likes him. We went through a lot of missteps. So, like, I was a big fan of Jim Jordan. I supported him wholeheartedly. I also was supportive of Steve Scalise and others. And we had several missteps. Finally, we got to a point. Where everyone liked the guy. He's conservative. He was, he actually got every vote. Every Republican member voted for him. And the Democrats were, were very anxious for us not to come to a conclusion there. But we're right back to work now. We're getting back to the spending bills. He's doing a good job leading through that. But all of us have to be there. It's not just, speaker's just one man. And, and all of us have to be together here 
and, and grassroots. Nobody itself. in New York knows him, and uh, he's just yeah. Yeah, new, stranger. Yeah, by the way, you're also on the Financial Services Committee. Right. Tell us about, because yeah. crypto probably is a hot <laughs> issue, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, we've discovered Joe Biden abusing his powers left and right. He's trying to uh, do a pilot program to create a whole new cryptocurrency, digital dollar, they call it. Get rid of cash. It's up to 37,000 bitcoins today. Mm -hmm. And every every crooked prime minister of every country buys them. (laughs) Don't forget forget the cartels. Don't forget the terrorists. It's a good currency to money launder. And the dope uh, and, and dope pushes. Yeah, you forgot that, right? <laughs> and if the government's, you know, monitoring it, they're monitoring you and your purchases. They would get to this system where they start to, you know, punish what they believe bad behavior, like maybe you buy a gun and reward what they believe to be good behavior. But Biden's doing something, right? The president you were mentioning, the president's yeah. talk about that because that's interesting. Yeah, he has a pilot program doing it through the through the Fed has a has a pilot program that they're asking banks to get involved in now, and the White House has their own study group on it. And Congress has never authorized this. So even no matter where you stand on the issue, Congress has to authorize this type of stuff. The president doesn't have the power to start a digital dollar program or even even do a study on it. So I have an amendment passed on the bill we're voting on, uh, financial services bill, to to shut down that White House uh, policy research area on the digital dollar. But every American should be aware of this. They use this to to look at you. Your Your privacy will not be respected if there's a digital dollar. The government will know every purchase you make. And, you know, in China, they use this to decide who's a good citizen and who's not a good citizen. But your right to privacy and your your freedom uh, is is at risk with this. And, and the, the bottom line, the, the, US, the U.S. dollar is on the full faith and credit of the United States of America. And we have $33 trillion in debt and growing. So that's become less popular because the, because the federal government has done a good job managing our money. And that's led to the rise of the bitcoins and things like that. Now the government hates the competition. The United States government hates this kind of competition. So they... You know, they want to then get in and, and reassert control. It's very scary, and we're fighting it. We do have a majority of Republicans in the House, at least, and we're fighting these things. Well, bravo, bravo, mm-hmm. bravo. We've got to take a break right now, and when we come back, we got Dick Morris, and he's always very interesting. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, we're back, and we're... Waiting to, for, looking for Dick Morris. Looking. I don't know where Dick Morris is. Is that like where's Let's Waldo? Let's go back to talking to the congressman here. Uh, I understand uh, that the speaker, Mike Johnson, uh, has not voted with the AM radio folks. And we have a uh, legislation to require the AM radios to be carried in all the car, car manufacturers. Recently, a few car manufacturers, especially these newer cars, are very electronic. They don't want to be bothered with carrying the AM radio anymore. So we, we need to make sure that they carry that. It's very important, particularly in rural areas like West Virginia. Well, let me tell you something. If Mike Johnson doesn't support AM radio, I'm not supporting him. I don't blame you. I'll, deliver that, I'll deliver that message to him. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. joining us now, by the way, we've got uh, Dick Morris, uh, the pollster and also advisor, longtime advisor to Clinton, also to President Trump now and others. Uh, Dick, uh, we want to get your take on uh, the debate last night. Um, obviously, Trump had a competing uh, rally at the same time, but who won the debate and what did you like? Well, I thought Trump won the debate. I was at the rally and his performance was immeasurably better than any of the others. Um, and uh, and I think that this was the single most boring debate in political history. Uh, I mean, it, it's, it signified absolutely nothing. There was no chance any of these five have to be the nominee or the president. And the charade that they're 
auditioning for for uh, Donald Trump to be named vice president is absurd. Donald Trump will never name as a VP somebody that ran against him. If you want to ask about the high school debate that was broadcast, um, I didn't really see it. I was at the rally. Ah, but, um, now, now, what did you did you see any of the um, like? Did you see some of the headlines say this is yeah, in, saw, with the scum line from Nikki Haley yeah. is what everybody's getting because Vivek yeah. was going after. Her. Well, how, how does that play, Dick? Well, Vivek deserves it because uh, he's advocated cutting aid to Israel. Literally, he said we should not give Israel more money than we give any of the states in the Middle East. And that entails a cut, and we'll, they'll have to live without it. And uh, he also said that the uh, dispute between the between Russia and Ukraine was not worthy of American aid, but mainly his comments about Israel. And uh, if they're, they're, to, put, to put it bluntly, ill-timed. Yeah, for um, sure. For sure. Ed Cox I, has a question yeah, for you, Dick Morris. I, right. Uh, his sparring partner is, uh, is um, Nikki Haley. Uh, it doesn't take a lot to do well. Yeah, no, that's true. They were sparring partners. Ed Cox, go so, ahead. <laughs> so, Dick, way back uh 94, President Clinton gets really thumped, loses both houses of uh, of of Congress, and he calls Dick Morris to help him. Has yep. given where the polls are. Has President Biden called you yet? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't think I'll hear from. But, but do, you, um, do you believe he's in deep trouble? Yeah, and I don't think he can be brought out. Uh, the the essence of my strategy with Bill Clinton was to uh, abandon fierce partisanship and come to common sense solutions that the entire country would support. And uh, so, for example, on welfare reform, uh, not say not resisting Democrats and not cut the benefits as Republicans propose. Instead, impose time limits and work requirements. And I think that that kind of common sense, moderate approach would have made sense, but it's too late for Biden. He's so far committed down the road of this insane leftist policy that there's no way that he can come back to the center. Even if he could, even if he could walk, he wouldn't come back to the center. So now, Dick, you have a new book out. It's called Corrupt. Uh, the inside right. story of Biden's dark money. Uh, it's been 24 hours, uh, since James Comer subpoenaed Hunter Biden and James Biden and other family members. Where is this headed? What do you think, uh, where is this going? Well, it's headed toward impeachment, obviously. And, uh, I think there are the votes in the House for that. Uh, I think that there won't be, there'll be an acquittal in the Senate, uh, because, uh, because there's, the, the, the party lines are too solid on that. But the important point is there'll be an impeachment trial, and the impeachment trial is uh, will bring out the evidence that we really need the public to hear and to see. And the media can't ignore it because it is a trial for the impeachment of the president. So uh, it's a way to get that information out there. And I think that will be very effective. When people take one look at what Biden has done, it will really change their opinion. Uh, in my book, I take 20 actions that Biden has taken or inactions that have been in China's interest and against the United States' interest. Start with a very simple one, that he never investigated why China was making a virus that would be more deadly and more communicable. Uh, What were they planning to do with it? And was the virus released as part of a biological attack on the United States to try to stop Trump from being elected? 
It was released right at the start of 2020. And I don't buy that either a backbite did it or that this was a lab leak. I think this was the first use of a biological weapon against the United States. Wow. wow, wow. And, By the way, uh, Dick, we also have Congressman Alex Mooney here from the great state of West Virginia for a question for Dick. Well, thanks, hey, for, your, thanks for your comments. You, I, you believe in the old saying, turnabout's fair play. After all they did to Donald Trump, they shouldn't be surprised that now we're subpoenaing Hunter Biden right. and others. And, and actually, I think who, you think those who point the fingers are really the guilty ones, would you say? Yeah. Well, I think Biden's formula is simple. Uh, the Democrats' formula is simple. Accuse them of doing everything we're doing. Now, are, are you still going to run for, for uh, senator against justice? Of course. The question is, is he still going to run against me? Because he can't beat a real conservative in a primary. Okay. Yeah, we had breaking okay. news before. Uh, we had the congressman announcing it uh, that he's running for Senate. And on top Good. of breaking news that Joe Manchin is not running for Senate. Yeah, interesting times in West Virginia. We're so happy to have you here, uh, you. Congressman. It's really hey, on the hot seat. Thank you for being here today. Awesome. Ed Cox, thank you, and Governor Patterson, and uh, Judge Weinberg, and and thank you, Dick Morris, for calling in and keep doing the right thing for uh, for our country. And Rita, what do we all stand for? Truth, justice, and the American way. God bless America and West Virginia.